Welcome, welcome, welcome in to a Wednesday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. And you can always reach us on the text line at 46862. 46862. Just put CK before your message. And plenty of basketball to discuss on today's show. IU escapes against Florida Gulf Coast in their season opener. Meanwhile, Purdue-Fort Wayne goes on the road in a non-hostile environment, we'll explain, uh, and beats DePaul as well. So the Dons start out 1-0, and so plenty of basketball to get to. Plus, uh, the Michigan sign-stealing uh, scandal reaches the finger-pointing stage. This is quite funny to me. Uh, Notre Dame. If you're a Notre Dame fan, yeah, the season's been a disappointment, but... Something that could happen for the bowl game. We'll get to that later this hour. That is certainly intriguing, to say the least. Uh, Also, for IU in hour number two, you know, they have a lot to figure out. Defensively, offensively, um, there was some interesting rotations late in this game. And we'll we'll get to, I think, one of the biggest question marks is, who is the guy? And I think they mentioned this on the broadcast only like four or five times. But who is going to be the guy for the Hoosiers? We'll debate that. Plus, uh, Jim Harbaugh punishment could come down as soon as today. What do we expect to happen? And the Colts could put a final stamp on their longtime rivalry with the Patriots on Sunday. A lot on the line, reportedly, for Bill Belichick. We'll dive into that. And before we leave you, uh, alligator caught in, uh, well, I didn't even know alligators were capable of being in this area. So we'll we'll get to that. Mm. And we have Purdue-Fort Wayne sweet tickets. So the Dons coming off their win on the road last night. They return uh, to the Coliseum. It'll be the home opener Thursday night, so tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tip. And you can be there. We have another four-pack of sweet tickets. Yes, sweet tickets for the Mastodons in their home opener against Andrews. Uh, let's see. Let's just uh, let's do DePaul. As the, yeah, text as the DePaul. Keyword. Text DePaul to 46862. That is DePaul. Not DePaul with a W, but with an L, uh, to 46862. And you'll be in the running. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show this morning. Morning, Justin. Morning. It's a big night of basketball yeah. last night. Watched the Hoosiers and I watched the Dons last night. They're on FS2. So nationwide broadcast get to watch Purdue Fort Wayne knock off DePaul in front of a capacity crowd. <laughs> 10,000 seat uh, Wintrust Center. And they had an official attendance of 997. I'm going to be honest. It looked like it was less than that. It looked like it was maybe 700 For- people. Friends and family crowd for and band. For both schools. I'm sure they counted yeah. every band member there, but there was, uh, and I think that was was definitely impactful for the Mastodons because what changed or when we watched we watched Indiana, what changes when the crowd got into it there midway through the second half that really buoyed the Hoosiers onto a, I think it was a 10-0 run at the time. There was nobody to do that for DePaul, no, because there was nobody there. Yeah. And DePaul's had their fair share of struggles, for sure. And you couple that with a non-conference opponent and a non-Power 6 opponent like the Dons, there was nobody there. And I think that was definitely impactful because DePaul didn't have that crowd to lean back on. And uh, congratulations to the Dons. Big wins. I'm sure we'll talk more about it here in a little bit. Yes, we'll we'll get to after headlines. Uh, we'll talk some IU. We'll talk some PFW after headlines and let's dive into headlines this morning as again plenty of people already texting in DePaul uh, to win those sweet tickets keep them coming at 46862 again DePaul your keyword there 
Uh, everyone's favorite NFL quarterback is back in the NFL. Carson Wentz hey. has signed a deal with the Rams. Obviously, the, the Rams needing some support. Uh, Matthew Stafford injured. So the Rams made the signing during their bye week. This will give Wentz some time to get acclimated to the Rams offense. And the, the Rams also waived quarterback Brett Rippon, uh, who had the start last week. They waived him on Tuesday. So my guess would be that Wentz will be the starting quarterback if Matthew Stafford is not ready to go for their next game. Carson Wentz, he, he, he's not great. He's good in a spot start. Yeah. I think I think that's what you're looking for. If um if the Rams can get that out of Carson Wentz, they need to. So we'll see if he's able to come in and do that if in the event he needs to play. Meanwhile, in the AFC South, Mike Rabel has named Will Levis the starting quarterback for the Titans smart. going forward. This Very was an obvious move that I thought they would have made after his first start. Uh, but it took two starts. He's one and one. Yeah, it was not as dynamic in start number two against a really good Steelers defense. Um, didn't have four touchdown passes for one. Didn't have any touchdown passes. Sorry to rub that in, Justin. Yeah, um, a couple of parlays. <laughs> but he, of but he, he threw for more yards. And I think, why not? Give him the chance. I was honestly surprised that Ryan Tannehill was not shopped at the deadline. Now I get it. He was injured, but it's an ankle injury. It's not like a, a thing that's going to be a, a factor all season unless you know it gets re-injured. So you, you get him back healthy. Um, the Titans clearly moving on. We'll have more on Mike Rabel in hour number two in regards to other openings. So uh, stay tuned for that. But I think the Levis move makes too much sense. It's needed to be done. I mean, you, we, we talked about it before and thought maybe Tennessee would wait until they were deeper out of the playoff race. But the Titans see that their best chance for success, in my opinion, this year and definitely going forward is Will Levis. Throw him out there, see what he can do. Allow him to operate without looking over his shoulder and every mistake he made is magnified because he could be pulled. Just let him go out there and learn and perform and see what you have. It's a good decision by the Titans. The Cowboys have signed wide receiver Martavis Bryant, who's not played in the NFL since 2018, to the practice squad after a workout yesterday. He played for the Steelers and the Raiders. 145 catches, over 2,100 yards, 17 touchdowns in 44 games but he's been suspended multiple times for violating the league's substance abuse policy was recently reinstated. He uh, played in the XFL last year. Ah, that's fun. Also played in the uh, CFL as well. The indoor football league as well. So he has bounced around. I mean, that was a name I'm like, hold on. Uh, I hadn't thought about that name for a while. Right. And now I knew why. Uh, it was very surprising. So maybe he will add some depth to the Cowboys. The Cowboys don't have issues at wide receiver. They have issues in other areas like, oh, I don't know, quarterback not being good enough to, to win the big games that they're in. I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he's not great. You could get on coaching, right, with Mike McCarthy, and you could get on the, the defense because they've had some injuries. I think when you look at that that uh, wide receiver course, C.D. Lamb has been good. Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, maybe not as, as good as they were expecting this mm-hmm. year, but I don't see him usurping any of those guys. No. I would I would be surprised, but uh, interesting move by the Cowboys. I, again, if any franchise was going to do this, oh yeah, it was it was roll. going to be the Cowboys, which is fine. Uh, good for them. College football playoff rankings, week number two. 
no changes. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, the top four. Uh, Washington at five. Oregon at six. Here's my biggest thing with all of this. None of these matter anyway. Yeah, you talked me off the a, ledge last yeah, night about Washington. It, it, it's These don't matter. So, like, it's not even worth getting worked up about until the final rankings. Um, I, it's nice if, if you see your team up there in the top four, but it doesn't mean anything until the final rankings. So there's no reason to dive in and say the committee got this or that right or wrong. Um, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> not going to waste brain space on that because it's just not worth the time. Like the right. rankings never make sense. Usually anyway, the final ones usually do. Yeah. I get it. There've been controversial ones like Ohio state getting in one year. And of course that was what the first year and then they win the championship. So, right. I mean, they, they proved themselves, but it's not worth the, the airspace to the brain power because yeah, I was outraged that Washington <laughs> is at five. Like you cannot tell me that Washington is not as good. is not a better team than Michigan. At least they've proven they've beaten Oregon and they've beaten USC. Yeah. No, they have, you're telling they have me quality out, wins. Yeah. And Michigan has zero quality wins. But you talk me off the ledge. They don't matter anyway until after yeah, the, the, the conference this, championship game. These things so. will take care of themselves. Yes. Obviously, Michigan playing Penn State this week. So that's a quality game, a quality opponent. And we'll finally see if Michigan's any good. Like, yes, they, they've been historically good so far, but... They've not played tough competition, but all you can do is beat the people in front of you. If you, if so, you have five undefeated teams at the top, one through five. Let's take Georgia out of the conversation. Of those other four, which of them is most likely, in your opinion, to finish undefeated? Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Washington. Uh, I'd say Michigan at this time. Okay, basically, whoever wins between Michigan and Ohio State, I think finishes undefeated. I would agree. Uh, I don't think Washington stays undefeated. Uh, because they will likely have to play Oregon again in the Pac-12 title game, and I think that'll have a different result. Yeah. Um, Would you say Michigan has a better chance of staying of being undefeated than Georgia? Uh, I mean, Georgia beat Missouri, which is one of their tough... I mean, they have Tennessee coming up. That's a tough one. Obviously, the SEC title game, where it looks like they'll play Alabama. I don't know. I mean... Here's what we're not talking about. The fact that Alabama is just lurking there. Oh, yeah. Alabama wins out. They're in. And wouldn't be shocking. Uh, oh, this is the biggest story of last night. Nevada and Sacramento State College. Yeah. Last night. Game was delayed for a few minutes at the Lawler Event Center in Reno for circling bats <laughs> in the game. Uh, <laughs> incident occurred with 540 remaining in the second half. And action was stopped for several minutes as the uh, bats, as I'm watching the video, are uh, are circling the arena. Um, did they call Batman? Like, what, what did they do <laughs> to take care of that? I think they just waited until they went back up in the rafters. Uh, they say, this is the first time that bats have entered Lawler Event Center. 2017, several bats took over the arena, and the Nevada Department of Wildlife confirmed at the time there could be up to 30 bats living inside. The arena. So that was 2017. Who knows how many bats are living in the arena now, but <laughs> they delayed the game for a couple minutes last night in Reno. Uh, elsewhere in college basketball, Bill Self has signed what is essentially uh, the highest paid deal in men's college basketball. Uh, he already has a, a lifetime contract with Kansas. Uh, he's assigned an amended five-year deal. And again, the, the years roll over. I think every year they tack on another year. 
but he'll make more than $13 million this season, $53 million in the next five years, uh, $7.2 million in salary previously deferred due to COVID uh, economic challenges. So uh, he usurps Kentucky's John Calipari as the highest paid coach in the country. Win titles, get paid. Yeah. And he has won two titles, and they're seemingly a top five team every single year. Yeah, one of those consistent blue blood contenders every every year, Bill Self, ever, deserving of every bit of $13 million. 46862, the text line number 46862. Time to move to what happened in-state in college basketball. And IU escapes with the win over Florida Gulf Coast last night, 69-63. The Hoosiers looked rough, in fact, they're up just two at halftime. At one point, found themselves down six in the second half. And then halfway through the second half, that's when IU went on their run and did just enough, hung on in the final minute, and got as close as, what, two points? But uh, IU able to pull away with the win. They they did get a bonus in the fact that uh, Florida Gulf Coast guard Isaiah Thompson missed the game due to injury, one of their better players. Uh, you can look at positives, the fact that IU found a way to win this game. You can look at negatives, like three-point shooting, just 4 of 13. Uh, free throw shooting, just 19 to 30. And the the fact that Malik Renew is still committing silly fouls. But he did have 15 points. He did. Well, it's there's a lot to take out of this for Indiana. And it's just one game, and it's a competent opponent, too. This isn't Samford you're playing. Okay? No. And, and all due respect to, to Purdue, because... IU has some gimme games coming up, but with 10 new players and over 70% of your scoring gone and to start off a season playing Florida Gulf Coast, I think that's a good challenge for Indiana. We saw what the biggest thing that I got out of last night was of all the new players, it was the guys that are back that stepped up. You look at Trey Galloway, 16 points. You look at Malik Renew, 15 points. You look at Xavier Johnson, 14 points. Those were the dudes that when IU needed guys to step up in the second half, it was those guys. If you want to call them veterans, cool, especially Xavier Johnson, Trey Galloway, Malik Renew is at least through one game showing that he's taking that stride forward. But defensively, there were several breakdowns. You mentioned that three-point shooting. I think it's, for me, watching that game, it just felt like this was this is going to be Indiana especially earlier in the season, trying to figure themselves out. I think Indiana has the capability of being a team that when we look back at it at the end of the season, say they are exponentially better than they were at the beginning of the season because they have so many dudes that they're trying to work in. This is not a finished product by any means. It's not a veteran-laden team like Purdue. So it was good to see IU be challenged, I think, and have how to handle that challenge. Uh, Kalel, Khalil Ware, what are we calling him? I thought yeah. it was Kalel. They I called him Khalil, Khalil Ware all night well. last night. <laughs> so we saw what he can do with the double-double in his first game with Indiana. Free throw shooting was atrocious, to say the least. This game isn't close if IU makes its free throws. You mentioned three-point shooting as well. They didn't really force it from three. Only shot 13 threes. I guess I'm I'm happy with that as opposed to just keep shooting and shooting and missing. And finishing four of 22, at least they realize, hey, it's not there. But you're already looking at, okay, how's this team going to shoot from long range for the season? I think there's a lot to take out of this game. And there's a lot to be pleased about if you're an IU fan. 
but also some warning signs too. But then again, it's just one game. I, I think the biggest thing with the three-point shooting and free-throw shooting is that this is a carryover trend. It's been, it was an issue in the Archie Miller era, and it's clearly an issue in the Mike Woodson era. Yeah, I just, I guess I'm not, after one game, going to say this team can't make threes and can't shoot free throws. Uh, Not yet. We'll see. Yeah, no, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying that's, it's been a trend, and so that's why it's of concern. Now, C.J. Gunn, a guy you you would expect to be able to do both of those things. Um, 0-2 from three, didn't have a free throw attempt, didn't score. So that's a guy you would expect to get more from along the perimeter. I, I think also... Of note, Gig Cups played really well and was there at the end, which I think says a lot. Where you went with two point guards in Xavier Johnson and Gabe Cups to close this game out, along with Renew, along with Galloway, along with I, I believe it was Ware. Uh, so Mbako not part of it, and and Mbako struggled. And you sent me this, and Mike Woodson had some interesting things to say regarding some of the young guys late in the game and. Uh, Woodson said, my concern is CJ and Caleb and McKenzie is in CJ gun, Caleb banks, McKenzie and Baco. He said, they got to figure out what, what they're doing defensively. So like that, that's an issue. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of this is just, you could tell, especially in the first half, the spacing on offense was just awful. There was, uh, they were very of, bunched up. They, yeah. they got better in the second half. This is going to be a season where if you're an IU fan, you're going to need to be patient and hope this is a team that is peaking come March. Because if they continue to improve and get better, that is where they will be. But it's going to be a journey to get there. It's definitely going to be a work in progress with this team. And you could see, and you mentioned it with the spacing in the first half, and, and just not good ball moving. Now, credit Florida Gulf Coast, because they played really good defense in the half court. And um, zoned at times, which is going to be, you're going to see it a lot. With Indiana against Indiana because of their size and their hey go out and prove you can shoot threes. Now I'll push back a little bit from last year on this team could make threes. They were 39th in the country in in three point percentage. So I, I I don't know if they're a team that we can keep saying they can't make threes. I don't think they shoot a lot of threes. Well, and that's really more the issue is they don't attempt enough threes because you had good three point shooters last year. So uh, on that's that just team. yeah, that's just not their game for whatever reason. Uh, but I, I think they can make threes. They just it's not part of their game. And I think you look at even this iteration of the of the Hoosiers, and you have size, but not a lot of dudes that you're going to trust to go back out there and, and shoot from range. So it was a good win, I think, for Indiana. It's better than going out there and beating a team by forty and going. I don't know what 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 we have here. Uh, you're talking from from Mike Woodson's perspective. So you went through some scoring droughts. It was almost. Over seven minutes in the first half didn't score. You had a drought in the first uh, few minutes of the second half, and you were trailed by as many as six in the second half, and you were able to come back against a competent opponent. So I think it's a good win for Indiana. It shows potential issues, but I think you can also see the potential with this team. Four starters in double figures, and you have your veteran guys leading the way. And I think there's going to be a lot of excitement over Malik Renew and the way he started off the season yesterday. Just need to make your free throws. Yeah. Yeah. Kalel Ware, Khalil Ware, whoever we're I'm going to Kalel Ware I, until... I, I, I need I more of a sample I need, size. I need more of a sample size, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Kalel Ware, I, I think what he did last night was 
the ceiling, like that's showing the ceiling of what he can do as a seven footer uh, who's mobile. I mean, again, hit a three, 13 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, three blocks, two steals. So stuffing the stat sheet. He even um, shot at least eight of 12 from free yeah. throw line. So he was able to make, you'd like to be that nine or 10 of 12, but still he uh, was the guy that went to the line the most. I just thought he showed for Indiana, like, this is what you would hope to get. A guy who can stuff the stat sheet, uh, who can block shots, who can be a rim protector, and who can be a rebounder and get you some points inside. So we we saw glimpses. I think the biggest thing for him, and, and, and he knows this, this is no secret, is just effort, right? And can we see this kind of effort and this kind of performance night in and night out? He's got to be consistent uh, to to be able to play at the next level. Yeah, I think one game you like what you saw out of certain guys, but you're also seeing indications of what the Hoosiers are going to need to do going forward to to take that next step. But I think you look at what happened yesterday and you say, well, that's a pretty good, it's a good win. And even a texter saying it's it's comparable to Sam. No, no, it's not comparable to Sanford. I don't care what Sanford did last year, but Florida Gulf Coast is a more established program than than Sanford. I mean, he couldn't even spell Sanford right, which tells me that that's how that's how relevant Sanford basketball is. So, I think you can see Indiana. They can go. Okay, is this a team that if this is the team that they put out on the floor in March, then that's a problem from what we saw last night. But this is a good starting point. And if you can grow from this and get better, then the Hoosiers can be a a tournament team and maybe make a run. I, I think there's pieces there to make a run to the second weekend, but you're going to have to see growth throughout the season. I mean, you're, you're going to have to get more off the bench. I mean, seven total points off the bench is not going to cut it uh, for Indiana. You're going to need more. Uh, you hope Mackenzie Mbako, I know it's his first game, but you need him to do more. So you need dudes that are going to hit. You need Gabe Cubs to come off the bench and hit some shots. But I did like IU from the mid-range yesterday. They made a lot of shots just three to five feet inside the arc. And that was impressive to see. Uh, okay. With the texter at 46862, who uses BPI? <laughs> I don't in, even know what BPI uh, Is that blood pressure or something? <laughs> blood pressure index. <laughs> no, that uh, everyone uses Ken Palm. I don't even know. I don't even know who uses BPI. So <laughs> there's my first issue. I mean, Florida Gulf Coast is 147th in, in Ken Palm. Are we already looking at Ken Palm after one game? Well, it's the preseason rankings. Okay. So um, I, I don't know. I first yeah, off, BPI. No one uses that for. And second of all, it's Samford with an M, not an N. Yeah, and Samford is is 139. So yes, they are similar. Uh, no, no, I'm but just... in the Ken Palm, but no one uses BPI. There's your there's your problem. Um, CK middle of the road guys, come on, sound the alarms. I use things. It's one game. Are we really doing that? <laughs> are you serious? I mean, is hopefully it's hopefully it's maybe it's uh, in jest. I I would I, I, would, I would hope help. because like it's one game. There's not like they won. They battled back. Like I don't know what more you want. If you wanted them to blow out Samford by forty points, that was never going to happen. It was we, never in the cards in this game. We can't compare this team to Purdue. Purdue is an established team with a hell of a lot of returners, including the national player of the year that beat up on a decent D1 team, but 
returned everybody of consequence. Most everybody. Indiana has 10 new dudes. They have one guy coming off a a guy that barely played last year due to injury. Okay. I, I hope it was in jest because I just I if if it's Purdue fans going IU stinks and and or even even IU fans going well we barely won over Florida goes like I don't know what you expected last night I thought it was going to be a really good game going back and forth which it was and I'm not I'm not calling the alarms or anything after one game for Indiana no, no. Uh, <laughs> someone CK if IU stinks what is Michigan State right I, I mean it, it's one <laughs> game also. Uh, someone else, CK, plus 16 foul differential, plus 24 free throw differential. Now you barely snuck by. They're in trouble. Again, it's one, one game. game. Let's not one overreact. Game. I, I do agree that free throws, they got to make better free throws, shooting 19 of 30. Uh, and it was a decided advantage, particularly in the first half. I mean, they were in the double bonus, I think, with like nine, eight, nine minutes to go in that first half. They could have had a bigger lead than two at the break if they would have made their free throws. But no, it's... It, it's way too early, way, way, way too early to be freaking out about Indiana. Yeah, no, there's there's absolutely no reason to be that alarmed this early in the season. I'm not even alarmed for Michigan State. No. Actually, I lost at home. I, I'm still thinking they're going to be on the top two teams in the Big Ten. And again, they played a team that had Duke in the name, right? So, I mean, it's like, it's essentially their early <laughs> season loss pretty, to Duke. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> Since they're the yeah, James Madison Dukes. Uh, meanwhile, Purdue Fort Wayne. Wow, what a performance last night for the Mastodons getting the win. I, I I'll be honest, I I didn't think this would be a very close game, but I also didn't realize how apathetic the DePaul fan base is for their program. Look, it's a program that has what one winning season since 2007 and is a shell of what they were, you know, 40, 50 years ago when they were a a, a top probably 20 program in college basketball, but it was shocking to see how little people were there. Again, attendance uh, was just under a thousand people in this game and a 10,000 seat arena and Purdue Fort Wayne gets to win Jalen Jackson, 13 points, eight rebounds as uh, he goes back to Chicago again. He played at Illinois, Chicago last season. Quentin Morton Robertson had 24 points to lead the Dons. Um, so a big win for Purdue Fort Wayne and uh, a good start to the season as you, you get one against a, a power six conference team. Great, great job by the Mastodons on the road, scored 20 of the game's final 26 points. DePaul was able to get up, I think by as much as six in the second half. He thought, okay, here we go. This is where DePaul kind of runs away with it was missing their, their primary point guard who was hurt. And you could tell because, DePaul had all sorts of issues protecting the basketball. 21 turnovers and just 15 assists in the game for DePaul. But when the Mastodons needed guys to step up, much like Indiana, it was the veterans. Quentin Morton Robinson with a huge game, 24 points, made all four of his threes, made all four of his free throw attempts. He was huge. Look at Jalen Jackson, the veteran who played at Illinois, Chicago, transfers back home, and he was electric getting to the bucket yesterday before he fouled out. 13 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. And then you look at Anthony Roberts, a dude that got spot minutes last year. You could tell that he was going to be a dude that was more involved this season with graduation. He threw down a couple electric uh, dunks in that game in transition, 13 points, and made his free throws, four steals. I mean, 
This was a big win for the Mastodons. We talk about program building wins, and that isn't just one win or two wins when you talk about beating Indiana back-to-back years. It, 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 every couple of years, you need these wins over Power 6 program to continue the momentum, particularly when you're on national television like you were last night on Fox Sports 2. And plenty of people that were looking to get their taste of, of college basketball late last night with this game starting at 9 o'clock, tuned in. And it was a good win on national television. Sets the tone when you look at how Purdue-Fort Wayne is going to replace some of the guys they lost, including Jared Godfrey, at least through one game. Uh, They were exceptional. So congratulations to the Don. 17 of 20 from the free throw line. Clutch, particularly late. And they took advantage of a DePaul team with no energy in that building. And really missing a key piece in their point guard. And with the Mastodons too, with having to replace so much production for them to go on the road and the guys they needed to step up, veteran dudes, QMR, and and Anthony Roberts and the transfer Jalen Jackson all got it done. Congratulations to the Dots. Don't forget, you can text DePaul to 46862. Be in the running for a four-pack of sweet tickets. See the Dons coming up tomorrow night at the Coliseum. Again, a four-pack of sweet tickets. Just text DePaul to 46862. You'll be in the running. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show this morning as the Dons take on Andrews in the home opener tomorrow evening. And if you can't go to the game, pregame at 645, tip at 7 o'clock tomorrow night right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. I wonder if they counted Brett as one of the people in the <laughs> attendance. I saw him yesterday courtside watching the game last night. They needed every able body to count. I wonder if they call, they counted Mr. And they Rump. And they still couldn't get to 1,000 Still people. couldn't get to 1,000. No matter how they they they, uh, they counted everybody in there, probably counted uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne players, couldn't get there. Coming up on the other side... The Michigan sign-stealing scandal reaches the finger-pointing stage. Uh, The latest in this is quite comical as Michigan using a very silly defense. We'll get to that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Don't forget to text DePaul to 46862. Again, DePaul to 46862, and you'll be in the running for a four-pack of sweet tickets. See the Mastodons taking on Andrews at the Coliseum tomorrow night for the Dons' home opener. Undefeated Mastodons. That's right, coming off the win over DePaul last night in the Chicagoland area. Uh, Meanwhile, in college football, Michigan's, I I guess you call it a defense of their sign-stealing scandal. Uh, They've reached the finger-pointing stage. Michigan says that Ohio State and Rutgers... Uh, decoded signs and shared them with Purdue before the Big Ten title game last year. Again, it's legal to steal signs. So much, I mean, sure helped Purdue in that game. Yeah. Uh, A a Purdue staffer at the time, no longer with Purdue, informed Michigan that the info came from Rutgers and Ohio State. Again, not illegal to decode signs. This is perfectly legal. Um, (laughs) I don't understand why Michigan is using this as a, well, well, they did this as their defense. That's the, that's the thing. It's the, and, and even a texter, a Michigan fan texting in is, well, everybody does it. That's not a defense. Okay. You did it. You got caught. And now you're trying to take everybody down with you when what they did was legal. What you did was not allowed. 
Yeah, you can't go to other people's games and scout and, and record any, video. If anything, you're getting you you got caught for being stupid because you could have done it and just be a little bit more coy about it. Yes, I'm sure it happens elsewhere, but they're not stupid enough to get caught. No, that's so the the defense of everybody else does it isn't a defense. Now Michigan is arguing this. This is rich. Michigan is arguing the other schools violated the Big Ten sportsmanship policy. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Michigan. It's uh, and now Michigan's like, well, no, the Big Ten can't rule. This is an NCAA issue. The the Big Ten can't do anything. The Big Ten can Big do. Big Ten can. Yes, they, they can. It's do in their something. bylaws. This is the thing for Michigan. They're just like deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. It's classic. And I continue to say, it. Michigan fans, we say, oh, they can't beat us, blah blah. If Ohio State was doing this, you would be first in line to absolutely bury the Buckeyes. So take the maize and blue glasses off and look at it and say, if another team was doing it, if your hated rival was doing it, you'd be right up front trying to vilify them. Okay? There's no denying that. Jim Harbaugh's suspension, if it happens, could come as soon as today. We also heard that that was coming Monday. Yeah. Uh, now, well, the the... That was from like a, a message board nut yeah, job. This I mean, well, is from yeah. as far as the, the timeline actually reported. Now, uh, the biggest thing to me is Michigan didn't need to scout. Like, you can steal signs. That's fine. There's no issue. Like, it's annoying to other coaches, but coaches do this all the time. That's the thing. That's why I don't think like Michigan people understand. Like, it is it is legal to steal signs. It's it, you, what you can't do is send people to games and on sidelines and record and all this stuff. Like, that's not allowed. But yet they're always You may not like the rule, okay? I, I for one, think it's a stupid rule. I think, okay, if you're a team, you should probably be mixing up your signs weekly anyway, okay? But it's against the rules. A rule is a rule. It could be a dumb rule or not. It's still a rule. The, the issue I have is Michigan fans are deflecting away from the, the scouting thing, which is clearly a violation, to t- saying, well, everyone's doing it as far as stealing signs. Yeah, because it's legal. It's not banned. Now, should college football grow up and get headsets so that quarterbacks don't have to look at guys holding up signs with emojis yeah, on poster have, boards and five quarterbacks, different quarterbacks doing putting like in for, yeah. different hand signals, relaying the play call? I mean... Yeah, perhaps. Yes, probably. It's all because the coaches don't want to change it. Let's not kid ourselves. Well, I don't know. It too, probably took not, I don't know if the if they want to play around with technology too cuz what if it goes out? But yeah, I agree that should be something in an FBS, but I, I just think that the biggest thing in all of this is Michigan is deflecting from the actual problem because well, there is a real problem here. Uh someone's saying at 46862 CK, I think Michigan should be punished, but Harbaugh should not be punished. No evidence links him to it. Here's the thing, though. Like, it's your program. You're in Yeah, there charge. may be no evidence, but it's known. Yeah. It, As someone else, CK, easy solution. Use headsets. Yeah, I, I agree. Yes. It's, this fixes this problem. Well, at least as far as the signs dealing. The in-person scouting, that's a rule that Michigan broke. And until that rule has changed, it's a rule. Rule's a rule. And I don't agree with the, oh, it's supposed to keep costs and blah, 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 because everybody's got, if you got the means, then you should be able to to go to games and watch them and scout. That's just kind of an absurd rule. It's an antiquated rule, but it is a rule. And I, I, the whole thing is just gotten kind of, kind of silly. Not, not just the initial thing, but the defense and, and now the other, the other team, the other programs getting involved and everybody mad about that or Michigan fans about that. It's just kind of just 
I don't know. I, I, I feel like Michigan, yeah, they deserve to be punished. Do they deserve to have their head coach suspended? Do they deserve to have their season derailed? I don't think so. I mean, in the big scheme of things, in terms of corruption in college sports, is this up there? I know it's a rule. I get it. They deserve some sort of punishment. But should it completely take Michigan out of the equation for a college football playoff? But I don't think so. But that's me. And then you get... Wyoming state documents discovered that listed Blake Corum, Connor Stallions, and, and another individual as co-organizers of BC2 Housing LLC. Corum denying any any ties to Connor Stallions, of course. So <laughs> this Connor Stallions dude is just like I don't know. He just seems like that, and I, I think I've made the comparison before. That energetic little dude that. Is it wants to be part of the program and just relentlessly continues to pester you and bother you? And you're like, all right, dude, like just go go, go to, sit go in the to, corner, do this. Well, it's like just go give him something to do. Like, okay, we'll handle it. We'll give him. Go we'll go scout some games or whatever. And you just like com- ran with it and ran. And he seems like the dude that would enter Jim Harbaugh's office. Like, here, I, I have some notes for for you know what we could do for the program going forward. And he slaps this 600 page document <laughs> on Harbaugh's desk. Like what the hell is this? Like, he just seems like a dude that is as overzealous trying to reach the top. will do whatever he needs to do. And he's just kind of like a, a flunky that you're like, just, just, I, I can imagine to Harbaugh, like keep that guy away from me. Like, <laughs> he's like always bothering me with something and they just, okay, just go give him some busy work. And, and now look at what happened. If Harbaugh's not suspended, Uh, There are other punishments considered, including a formal reprimand, which is whatever, uh, withholding revenue from the university or a television ban. That is significant. Again, I don't think they're they're banning. Big Ten's not going to allow anything that substantially hurts their income coming in. But uh, Michigan expected to file a lawsuit to block any punishment until the NCAA investigation is complete. And that's the thing. Like the Big Ten, I don't know how all the legalese works. Like I told you yesterday, once injunctions thrown in, I, I lose interest. So if the Big Ten said today, Harbaugh, you're suspended or anything, and Michigan could challenge it, then Harbaugh could keep coaching. Here's my thing in all of this. I believe it will take care of itself on the field in terms of Michigan. I don't think they're going undefeated. Now, I do think they are one of the best teams in college football, but this is Michigan we're talking about. They've not been challenged. Up until Saturday, they'll be challenged. Uh, They have Penn State. They have Ohio State. And And yes, they they still have to win a Big Ten championship game. Oh, and two playoff games. Do I think they're going to go through all that unscathed? No, I don't. Couldn't even beat TCU last year in the playoff. Yeah, because they they relied apparently too much on their – sign-stealing operation that <laughs> they didn't scout TCU as a potential opponent. I mean, their biggest win right now so far this season Rutgers. is what? Rutgers? Yeah. Rutgers, people. That's their best win. And and there's so much hype about J.J. McCarthy as, you know, a, a first-round quarterback. Please. Like, yeah, has he, has he made a step up from last year? Absolutely. He's a lot more confident, and he's more of a leader in the passing game, but... Like, can he play East East Carolina and UNLV and Bowling Green yeah. in the NFL? No, I no like those so. those aren't options. So <laughs> I, 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 my biggest thing in all in all of this is Michigan. While they have been so dominant up to this point, they haven't played anybody, and I think it'll take care of itself if they go out tomorrow or what is day is it Wednesday? Yeah, Saturday. Man, I'm way ahead of myself. If they go out tomorrow and dominate Penn State on the road, which I don't think is a very good team. 
Michigan is a better football team than Penn State, but you still have to go to Happy Valley and win that game. If Michigan wins comfortably, I'll start coming around to Michigan is pretty good. And then, of course, the Ohio State game. But they haven't played anybody, anybody yet. That's why I got so outraged with, with Washington and the outside looking in, and then you say, don't worry about it, it'll work itself out. But the fact that Michigan is being touted as this best team in, in, in college football is just absurd to me because they haven't done anything. If they prove it starting on Saturday, then maybe. It's not buying it. Four, Science six, stealing or not. It's 862 like, is the text line number again. 46862. Uh, from uh, Michigan back to Indiana and not too far down the road, Notre Dame. The season's been a disappointment, to say the least, if you're an Irish fan so far. But an intriguing matchup possibility lurks. We'll explain on the other side. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Don't forget, still time to enter to win a four-pack of sweet tickets. See the Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons in action tomorrow night at the Coliseum. 7 o'clock tip-off, and that one just text DePaul to 46862. Again, DePaul to 46862. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show. So about an hour from now, uh, be your last chance to get entries in for this one. Notre Dame. It's been a tough season, to say the least. You you lost at Clemson on the road and look, looked like a game if the Irish were able to win. The season could at least be viewed as, well, at least you still have a path to a New Year's Six Bowl game, 10 wins, all of that. Well, that's off the table for now. But an intriguing possibility that's looking more and more likely, especially after what happens happened Saturday night. Notre Dame and LSU... Could meet in the ReliaQuest Bowl, Ooh, formerly, spicy. The, formerly the Outback Bowl, so has a new name, or the Gator Bowl. Of course, that would be a matchup between Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly. That would be a draw, even if it's not a, a New Year's Six Bowl game. And I think what's fascinating about this is, with bowl games, you also have to look at, okay, who's actually playing in these games? Is LSU going to have Jaden Daniels in this game? Are they going to have Malik Neighbors in this game? Um, some of their star offensive players. Wouldn't shock me if they opt out, right? So this is a a possibility, and I think if there's any silver lining, this would be it. Would be a matchup between Freeman and Kelly in a bowl game. <laughs> We'd all like to see it, wouldn't we? Um, I still think LSU would pound him. Is that bad? Uh e- even without Jaden Daniels, uh, I don't know who's playing and who's not playing. I'm just talking about the two teams right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's also talk about out there that Notre Dame could play Oklahoma State in an ACC Big 12 kind of matchup, so anything could happen. Um, but uh, the intrigue would be humongous, and that's kind of what you're looking for with outside of the New Year's Six and the college football playoff is which games give the most intrigue, and that surely would get a lot of intrigue. I'm sure Notre Dame fans out there would love nothing more than to see LSU and beat LSU. Which would be their third straight bull win over LSU, ah. if that were to happen. Me, I, I know some people are looking at Notre Dame as a disappointment at 7-3. I predicted nine wins at the beginning of the season. I looked at those top three games and said they're going to lose two of those, and they're going to lose a game that they shouldn't. And you could say that's what has what exactly happened. They lost two of the three big games. Louisville is better than a lot of people thought, but still, that's a game that Notre Dame should have won. That's exactly what I suspected was going to happen this year. So I know some people with, that, that said they could get to 10 wins in the regular season 
I, I could have seen that as maybe the 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 apex, the, the best case scenario. They go ten and two, but I look at this team and if it finishes nine and three, it's around what I expected, I guess, for Notre Dame. So I don't know if I've if I have realistic expectations and other people don't. Well, God forbid, Notre Dame fans and unrealistic expectations. Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know, but I look at Notre Dame and I'm like, I guess this is kind of the team I expected that Notre Dame would be, and I don't know if. If you're a Notre Dame fan, you necessarily want a matchup with LSU because I think LSU is a considerably better team than Notre Dame is. Well, better offensively. Defensively, we know they're pretty bad. Yeah, but it's not like Notre Dame's offense is is doing no, much of anything. No, so not. it's weakness against weakness at this point. Uh, of note... Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman since the start of the 2022 season, so excluding Freeman's bowl game loss uh, right. in the Fiesta Bowl at in Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Exact same record. They're both 16-7 and seven since the start of last season at their new jobs. Which, and here's the thing, is you think it's starting, some people think that the, the seat's heating up in South Bend for Marcus Freeman. It is heating up for Brian Kelly at LSU. LSU was a team that you expected to be a college football playoff contender and SEC championship contender. And they have not lived up to expectations because the defense has just been an absolute train wreck. You're looking at next year, year three, is going to be pivotal years for both Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly because Brian Kelly hasn't proven he's the long-term answer in Baton Rouge for LSU despite the tons of money they're paying him. And... Marcus Freeman, to a certain extent, hasn't proven anything that he's a long-term guy at Notre Dame either. But you think the heat is is at least getting simmering for Marcus Freeman. It's past that for Brian Kelly. Absolutely. 46862 is the text line. Again, 46862. Coming up on the other side, IU got a close win against Florida Gulf Coast. Who are going to be the go-to players for IU? An interesting trend late in this one. We'll get to that Next, as we kick off hour number two here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny, and you with us on the text line at 46862. Again, 46862, that is how you reach us. Don't forget, you can also text DePaul to 46862, be in the running for a four-pack of sweet tickets. See the Mastodons. And Andrews coming up tomorrow night at the Coliseum, the Mastodon's home opener. Tip at 7 o'clock. Again, just text DePaul to 46862. We'll pick our winner at the end of the show this morning. You can also stream us, 1380thefan.com, on the free 1380thefan app or your smart speaker each and every day. Coming up this hour on the show, who will be the go-to player or players for IU as the Hoosiers held on for a win against Florida Gulf Coast last night in the season opener plus Harbaugh punishment a suspension what next what do we expect to see from Jim Harbaugh as news could come as early as today if a suspension is coming down and the Colts could put a final stamp on their rivalry with the Patriots on Sunday we'll explain that around 8 30 or so before we leave you an alligator was caught around a lake but not where you would expect hmm <laughs> Once again, animals just out of their natural environs. Animals are taking over. It's been led by the bears, which we've covered extensively (laughs) here on the show. Now it's spreading. We talked about the pythons taking over in Florida. We talked about the bears 
just invading. Also in Florida, seemingly. Yes. And now we're talking gators. But also remember to text DePaul to 46862 if you want to be in the running for, what is it, a four-pack of sweet tickets? Yep. That'll be a shared suite with a bunch of other listeners, so it should be a fun time tomorrow night as the Mastodons kick off their home slate against Andrews after a big, big win. If you stayed up late to watch last night on FS2, Mastodons get the win over DePaul on the road last night, 82-74. to 74. So DePaul to 46862 to be in the running for those tickets. So there's an interesting trend late in the IU game last night, and I don't know if you caught this, but IU obviously is going to need to find that go-to closing player. Last year it was Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hood-Chafino. This year, is it Trey Galloway? Is it Xavier Johnson? Is it Malik Renew? Galloway? Ware? But Who is it? one other player that was on the floor late. Now, I don't think he's going to be a go-to player, but I thought it was fascinating that he got minutes and was running the offense in crunch time. Gabe Cups? Gabe Cups. The freshman came in. He scored five points. Uh, he was running the offense late in this game. And I thought that was saying something defensively. There, there didn't seem to be any lapses. This is a guy who came in not highly recruited and highly touted like a McKenzie and Baco. I think he was just a three-star recruit, but he won a lot in high school uh, playing in the Dayton area. I think he won a, a state championship. He was the, the the floor leader for his high school program. And I think what he showed last night is a really positive sign for IU, not just having a number two point guard this year, but also for the future. He was he was the guy that came up with some big plays last night that's probably going to be ignored by a lot of people because you look at it and the, the 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 box score doesn't really tell the story. He had five points, a couple of rebounds, an assist, and stuff like that. But he he was in the game. He came in the game once IU fell behind by six there early through in the second half. He had a big three. He had really, really good on-ball defense. He had that late steal that prevented Florida Gulf Coast from closing. I think it was a three-point game at the time. And they talked about him too at length on the on the broadcast about his work ethic has never missed never missed a, a, workout. a workout like 12 years. That's insane. He's he played with Bronny James. He's worked with LeBron James. And I think this is a dude that if you look at the prototypical IU needs one of those guys that's not flashy, but he's just a grinder and he makes big shots and he's diving on the floor and he's he's always energetic. That's your Gabe Cups. At least that's what we saw last night. And if he can be that dude for IU and he can gain the trust of Mike Woodson late in games to be the guy handing, handling the ball, then that's a good addition for the Hoosiers. Absolutely. And that's something that I think I didn't know how much he would play. I knew he'd play early on in the season, but would he really be a factor come Big Ten you know, season? It seems like very much he's going to be a key part of this team moving forward. It was it was a, a good, a pleasant surprise to see because when we talked about, okay, who are the dudes that are going to be afraid? Even the new guys. When you look at him, Mbako and Ware and Walker is, okay, it's going to start with those three guys in terms of new players, but it was Cups that, albeit, didn't outshine Ware or even Mbako last night, but when Indiana needed the little things done, he was there in the second half. 
Now, the other question, because IU's clearly found some depth and has a freshman, just not the freshman we expected, who's going to play key minutes down the stretch, that being Gabe Cups and not McKenzie and Baco, at least through one game. But the other question mark is, who is who is the guy down the stretch for IU? Is it Xavier Johnson? Is it Trey Galloway? Is it Malik Renew? I think that will establish itself. But I think what we saw from Trey Galloway last night, he seemingly stepped up when IU was slumping in, in played like the guy they need him to be. I mean, between those three guys, all three of them, you need them to be double-digit scorers, and you need one of them to break out and be that that go-to scorer, that scoring punch on offense, and that's something they're going to have to figure out this year. Well, I think when we talked about Indiana and Purdue-Fort Wayne both, I think they both fit in this category last night with their wins, is they need their returning dudes to step up. And, and fill the roles that were left by other guys that left. So Trey Galloway back, and you need him to be a commanding uh, presence. You need to be a more consistent presence. You look at Malik Renew, obviously, was was maybe not as impactful as some IU fans thought he would be as a freshman, but got plenty of playing time, and he needs to blossom, and he did that last night, and Xavier Johnson as well. And then conversely, when you look at Purdue-Fort Wayne, with their ability last night when you lose guys like Jared Godfrey and Rob Petty to graduation, as you look at who the guys that needed to step up, who was it? It was Quentin Morton Robertson, because you lose Damian Sean Quee too, and I think QMR last night was exceptional last night at running the offense late. You need him to step up. You need guys like Jalen Jackson, the transfer who uh, was from Fort Wayne, you know, that comes back to town. He was huge last night. And then Anthony Roberts. You have two guys that were on the peripheral last year for Purdue Fort Wayne and Roberts and QMR. And you have a transfer in Jalen Jackson coming in that's a, that has played at the D1 level and comes in and they all performed. And then you look back at Indiana and you look at the guys that came back. So in that respect, both programs got what they needed from the guys they need to step up consistently this season. They Both of them, uh, both programs off to a good start in that regard. And for IU, I think between Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway, you 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 hope that they can be the senior leaders that this team needs because, again, you, you get an early season win, you're off to a, a decent start, but who's going to be those guys when IU's in a slump? Who who yes. is who is going to be in charge? Who's going to to make sure? Players are held accountable, you know, beyond the coaching staff. When this team faces adversity, you could say they did yesterday when they were down forty-eight to forty-two. Yeah, with a fourteen, and then they responded with a fourteen-zero run. A lot of that had to do with the crowd getting into it. But you're up against it, down six at home against a good opponent that could easily put you away, and you respond. And it was good to see. But there's going to be plenty of adversity for Indiana over the course of the year, and we've seen in previous years how they wither under that adversity and one loss turns into two losses and it starts to spiral out of control. Can Trey Galloway be that guy in the locker room? Is Xavier Johnson that guy in the locker room? I I think those are, those are interesting questions. Once this team does face uh, some, some valleys in, in the big 10 season and see if they can pull them out. In one other note, McKenzie and Baco pretty quiet in his freshman debut for Indiana, the, the former Duke commit and and five-star recruit. But let's let's not panic. Jalen Hutchfina only scored 18 points his first three games last year for Indiana. So it, it could take some time. Even for a player of that talent level, it could take some time for them to, to get on track. So I would not sound the alarm there. 
And again, on the other side with Clellware, the transfer, the issues, it's not talent. We saw the talent last night. It's always going to be effort. And we saw the effort last night. Can that stay consistent? But this is a team, as we talked about in hour number one, they should not come close to peaking until February or March. And the benefit for Mbako is he has wear and renew in front of him, basically as bigs that will help shoulder the load as Mbako gets more comfortable. He's not being thrust into a, hey, you need to play 35 minutes and deliver consistent double-doubles from the jump. So he's a dude that's going to be able to ease his way in. You don't need him going with four points and, and three rebounds in a February game against Wisconsin, but in a November game to start the season, that's okay. 46862, your text line number 46862. If you have thoughts on IU in the season opening win, let us know on the text line. I know, is there, there anything else that really stood out to you? I mean, to me, this is a team that you can even see throughout the game. They are figuring out how to play with each other. It went from being bunched up offensively early and just looking discombobulated to uh, after that run, they, they just had more flow offensively. The spacing got better. The, you, it felt like in-game you could see them improving. That was my biggest take was you and I were trading texts about how discombobulated the offense looked in the first half, and you were looking at it as like, well, they have so many new dudes out there and trying to figure out how to play and where to play and where they're supposed to be. And they were just almost you know, almost like thinking bubbles about around each of them, above each of them, because that's what they were going through early. It seemed to open up at the uh, in the second half. And make no mistake, it's a good game for Indiana to play because you're not playing a Kennesaw State or something like that. Like You're playing a Florida Gulf Coast team that has experience in, in big games and making the tournament, right? So... You look at this team and, and they were galvanized coming into this to this game and ready to play, and it created adversity for Indiana that they had to figure out from the jump and they were able to. And in that respect, I think Mike Woodson's happy this morning with his team that said, Hey, we faced a deficit of six points in the second half against a good team at home with a lot of our guys in this situation for the first time with Indiana, and they were able to respond. Uh text coming in at four six eight six two. CK free throws need to improve. Yeah. I- that has been an issue yes. in the Mike Woodson tenure. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> and this game isn't close if they make their free throws. And uh, they just, just couldn't. And, and particularly in that first half when they were in the double bonus for the last eight, nine minutes of the second of the first half and couldn't make free throws. You could have went into the break with a six, seven point lead and felt a little bit better, but you're only up two at the break. So yeah, free throw shooting needs to get better. I, I'm not of the opinion of of the 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 uh, three point shooting needs to get better. I mean, they finished four of thirteen. I just don't think this is a team that's going to launch a lot of threes. I just don't. I, that's not. It's not that it needs to get better. My issue is they just don't shoot enough threes. But my, that's my thing. But I I don't know if they're that team. Who's to say? What? Why do they need to shoot more threes? If they can't make them, then why shoot them? Would be my thing. I just think you you should be going after at least twenty threes a game. Now, a lot of other teams who have you know really good three point shooters. They're shooting thirty plus. I mean, you but look college at basketball Wayne, has, has changed. You need to be taking more than thirteen threes in a game. So, speaking of threes, I do think some an area of concern for Indiana are the closeouts on three pointers. Huh. Defensively, yeah. Defensively, Dalian Johnson torched them. Yes, five of eleven from three. It's, it seemed like he hit double that. It seemed yes. like he hit ten threes over the course of that game. 
Um, but um, Anderson too was big. Zach Anderson he had a lot of threes last night. But just the closeouts for Indy, like the laziness, I think it was just always been a thing for me for multiple years for Indiana. The the inability, and that was one thing that I noticed from Gabe Cups is is just aggressive closeouts. Is you just can't kind of put an arm up and kind of like step out there. That's that's not closing out aggressively. And IU just didn't do it last night and resulted in 13 made threes for Florida Gulf Coast. So conversely, you feel they should be shooting more threes. I think they need to defend the three better. Text coming in. Whose win was more impressive, IU or the Dons? Well, I got to go with the Dons because oh, anytime Astonauts. you're beating a, a power six conference team, you take it. I don't care you know, how down DePaul's program has been the last 15 plus years. You, you take those wins. Those are huge for your program. Particularly when you look at a team that had to replace so much. Jared Godfrey, Bobby Planutis, Damian Shanqui, Deontay Billups. All of them are gone. Rob Petty. All of them are gone. That's five of your top six scores from last year. And to be able to go on the road to start the season and beat a power six program, albeit missing their point guard, but it's still a big win for the Mastodons because the question was, man, how are they going to replace this production? How are they going to replace a generational player for, for the program like Jared Godfrey, Bobby Planuda, Sean Kui, Bill? They were able to do it yesterday. The guys they needed to step up, Anthony Robertson, Quentin Morton Robertson, Jalen Jackson, they did. It was a tremendous win. It's a program-building win. If you can sprinkle in every couple of years knocking off a Power 6 team, it doesn't have to be Indiana all the time. It doesn't have to be a Top 5 team. But if you're knocking off a power six team every couple years, that helps that momentum that John Kaufman has built over a decade with this program in recruiting, man. It, it helps. And yesterday was a win that was assuredly a big boost for Purdue Fort Wayne as a program, particularly with the fact that it was on national television on FS2. And don't forget, you can text DePaul to 46862. Again, DePaul to 46862. And you'll be in the running for a four-pack of sweet tickets to see the Mastodons take on Andrews tomorrow night at the Coliseum, the home opener for the Dons, tip at 7 o'clock. And that one, of course, you can always hear the game right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Coming up on the other side, the Jim Harbaugh punishment. If one comes down, it could come down as soon as today. What do we expect? What's likely? What's not likely? That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Don't forget, if you're a fan of The Fan, we want to hear from you. We have our fan survey. It is up. You can text SURVEY to 46862. Again, just the word SURVEY to 46862. Uh, You'll get a link. Fill that out. Or you can sign up at 1380thefan.com and fill out the survey. You'll be entered to win a $100 Visa gift card. Survey runs through Sunday. So you have... Till Sunday night at 11.59 p.m., but running out of time to fill that out. I appreciate everyone who has done so, so far. So Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, again, punishment news could come down as soon as today. Doesn't mean it will, but today is the earliest. And I think the ultimate question mark will be, will he be suspended uh, based on, on everything? Again, not from the NCAA, but from the Big Ten, because the Big Ten can lay down their punishment much sooner based on their investigation. Now, we already know Michigan is going to file a lawsuit if Harbaugh is suspended for anything. This is a tricky situation for Tony Petiti. He comes on to the Big Ten, inherits this supposed great TV deal, 
I mean, it's got to live up to the hype. New teams, so a conference rich in money, but then one of your marquee programs is in the midst of a cheating scandal and one of the the top coaches in the conference as well implicated, obviously, in this. Not in the sense that he has necessarily been implicated in any of the documents, but just in the sense that he is the head coach. There continues to be no known proof tying Harbaugh to all these allegations. I want that to be clear. But there's still a chance that he could be suspended. Now, if he's suspended the rest of the regular season, I would think he'd just go to the NFL, right? He'd he'd be done with this. Um, If there's no suspension, teams and other athletic directors are going to rip the conference and Tony Petiti. And I understand that. Like, they're fed up and very upset about this. But again, I'm saying, are they upset because of the incident or are they upset because Michigan is dominating the Big Ten? Over the last couple of years. Well, when you have a program that's dominating and you find out, oh, they were cheating to do it, how can you not be upset? Yeah, I I guess. I I'm a, I don't know. I I like I've said, I I I understand it's a it's a rule. I just have a hard time like just mix up your signs. Why aren't you mixing up your signs from week to week to begin with? Well, yeah, what, that's, are, you, what are you doing? That's that's the real issue. <laughs> I mean, right? like, seriously. If sign stealing is so commonly known as a thing among coaches, why aren't you mixing up your yes, signs? You should be able to to change so. that. So, do you expect Jim Harbaugh to be suspended for no. any amount of games? No, I don't. For for two reasons: one, the the Michigan the 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 money aspect of things; two. He hasn't been directly tied to this. Now, mm-hmm. we know what happens. They say, hey, you cannot talk about this around you. He needs plausible deniability, okay, to know about this. So he's probably said, I'm sure, like, Jim Harbaugh will be like, I don't know what you're doing. I don't want to know. Like, don't tell me. Just keep me out of it. And, and and for that, he can say, well, I didn't know anything about it, even though, yeah, he's he's responsible for the program. I have a hard time making those judgments in season. I have a hard time saying something like this comes up and the coach hasn't been directly tied to it, but he can still be punished in the middle of the season for it. I have a hard time buying into that should be a thing, is my thing. Um, does does previous incidents kind of go towards this? If this was the first time that, that Michigan and Jim Harbaugh been embroiled in something, oh, but then maybe. That was an NCAA scandal and not a Big Ten related Correct. Thing. But what I'm saying is if he was squeaky clean and never had anything, are we talking about a potential suspension in the season? No. Yes, correct. So how much of this is impacted by pre- previous incidents too? I just have a hard time buying into the Big Ten who chases money at every opportunity making a decision that could hamper its ability to bank money come the college football playoff. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to, right? When you have one of your marquee programs in contention for the college football playoff and a national championship, which, again, the conference hasn't won a title since Ohio State in 2014, and Michigan's had back-to-back playoff appearances but has not shown well in those appearances, it would mean a lot to not only the program, but the, the conference to have another champion. I mean, the, the SEC continues to to win championships. Yes, I know that Clemson had one mixed in during that time period, but Alabama, LSU, and Georgia have dominated college football along with Clemson the last decade. What is it? 14 of the last 24 have been SEC, something like that. Yeah. But um, wouldn't it be funny if the Big Ten came out like you're suspended for the game at Maryland? <laughs> and that's it. If they're going to suspend him, that's what they do. 
That's what I'm saying. Something and, that's like a so joke. So you could say, see, see, we suspended him, kind of like the first three games that meant nothing when you played East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. See, we suspended him. There was discipline. You have Penn State this week, you have Maryland, and then you have Michigan, and then the Big Ten Championship game, and the Big Ten would be like, okay, you, you get, you're suspended for one game, the Maryland game. What is more likely, that Harbaugh goes to the NFL because of a suspension, or he goes to the NFL because... He feels like he's reached all the heights he can at Michigan. I think it all depends on the conclusion of this season. I really do. I, I think this, this, all this drama will impact it, but the bigger impact will be if Michigan once again falls short of at least reaching the national championship game. If they make the college football playoff and lose again, that's a disappointment. If they don't make the college football playoff, that's a disappointment. So I think when you look at Jim Harbaugh's thinking of what he would do going forward. And and make no mistake, it's not a significant buyout right now. Like there's been talk about this extension that was dead and then it was back on, but it hasn't been announced and now there could be punishment. So right now the buyout isn't considerable for Jim Harbaugh. I think it more depends on how this team finishes on the core, on the court, on the field, as opposed to what happens behind the scenes with all this. Ultimately, I don't think Michigan finishes undefeated. I know I said this in hour one, but do I think they are one of the top four teams? I mean, I guess in theory, we we don't know anything. We'll find out Saturday if they truly are. But I just don't think they go unscathed between Penn State, Ohio State, Big Ten title game, and even if they get to the playoff, uh, winning both those games. I just don't. I don't see them going undefeated through that entire stretch, let alone winning a title. I'm not. I'm not buying into a nine and zero. Truthfully. In watching Michigan, I thought last year's team so far was better than this year's team. I was more impressed watching Michigan last year than I am this year so far. They go out and house Penn State by 28. Maybe I come around. If they beat Ohio State a third straight time, maybe I come around. But so far, last year's team, in, in my eyes, has been a better team. 46862, let us know your thoughts on the text line on Michigan, Harbaugh, and the scandal, hopefully we'll get some answers later today and and have at least some some concrete ideas moving forward on the impact this will have on the Wolverines. Coming up on the other side, the Colts could put the final stamp on their rivalry with the Patriots on Sunday. We'll explain next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Text line open for you at 46862. Just put in CK before your message. Uh, text coming in. This year's Michigan team, a, f- a final thought on, on Michigan. This year's Michigan team has handled every opponent they've had, waiting for a good opponent to show up and crush them. As for Ohio State, they got by a terrible Notre Dame team and are still ranked number one in the nation. How is that? I wouldn't say Notre Dame's terrible. I mean, they're ranked in the top 25. Like, what What more do you want? I Notre Dame is a good team. Okay, they're, they're not terrible. Yeah. They're not elite. Okay, but Ohio State's wins are over Penn State and Notre Dame are exponentially better than any win that Michigan has so far. Now Saturday at noon, they have a their first opportunity to start changing that narrative. Like yeah, their yeah. final three regular season games will be their most difficult of the season. Well, not Maryland, but I'm. Tsh- 
I mean, Maryland though is Maryland. If they would have played Maryland in September, maybe other than October, Rutgers, yeah, other than Rutgers, yes, a three. I'd say I'd say three of their four, then. But it's not a very good Big Ten at all beyond no. the top three teams. But don't you worry, we get more Big Ten next year on national television. <laughs> get ready. Uh, a lot to look forward to <laughs> on that. As far as the Big Ten TV deal being everywhere with mediocre matchups. But hey, that's what they wanted, right? That's what they wanted. They're going to oversaturate the market, and we'll see how it pays off for them in the long run. Maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe maybe some of these lesser teams will will improve. But uh, I, I don't feel very confident moving forward. It just seems like it's become completely haves and have-nots in the Big Ten. It definitely has, and you're adding a and, couple... And by getting rid of divisions, uh, that will actually extend oh, it, that. It, it, absolutely. Like, if you're buried at the bottom part of the Big Ten, you got uh, a mountain to climb. And, and and I know people will say, well, you're adding Washington, and you're adding Oregon, and you're adding USC. You look at it and say, does Washington have staying power? What about USC if Lincoln Riley leaves? I mean, you, you, you assume it's a perennial power that they stay up there, but they struggled bef- before Lincoln Riley to be up there. Oregon really seems to me as the most assured team yes. to stay up there consistently. And even UCLA feels like a team that's trending more upward compared to a Washington or a USC as far as long-term for next year. Right. Because yeah. they'll return a, a lot more and have a really good defense at that. Uh, so teams that are struggling, uh, the New England Patriots certainly on that list. The Colts could do something. That would, I would say, be the last laugh in their long-standing rivalry with the Patriots. So the Boston Globe reporting Belichick could be coaching for his job in Sunday's game against the Colts in Ooh. Frankfurt, Germany. Wouldn't that just be sweet vindication, right? wouldn't it? <laughs> if the Colts go out and house the Patriots by 30, won't happen. But let's say they have a convincing win over New England. So the Pats would fall to 2-8 and eight in that scenario. And the report is that Kraft would fire Belichick before the bye because they also have a bye like the Colts do after playing in Germany. Now, where it gets really fascinating is what would come after that. Possibility of Mike Vrabel returning to the organization as the head coach. And guess who'd be back as the offensive coordinator? (laughs) (laughs) Josh McDaniels back. Yes. And he would would, uh, then, after three years of success, some... Dumbass uh, franchise and GM would hire him as a coach again. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I I just I just think this whole scenario that could play out. Now again, it's a report. Obviously, we'll see if it's true or not. The Colts have to win the game for starters. But this is something, and I've harped on this. I think way back in what, like week four, week five. I mean, the writing's on the wall for Bill Belichick in New England. At least it should be, because it's clear that he can't do anything without Tom Brady. He's 27 and 32 without Brady. Um, no playoff wins post Brady. So that's 2020 season on. Obviously, Brady went on to win a Super Bowl his first year away from New England. And Bill Belichick, the, the issue the Patriots have, and, and, and I know I discussed this previously, but he's everywhere. Like he's made every hire in that organization. The only person that could fire him is Robert Kraft because he's yeah. in charge of everything else. But Belichick literally has made every hire in the organization as far as on the football operation side for over 20 years. So he's so enmeshed in the staff, the hires, like you have to completely clean house. And 
I don't understand the appeal of going back to Belichick related. I, I, I guess a former player is a little different and he's been a head coach somewhere else, but it's not like the Titans are setting the world on fire either. So this whole scenario Sunday is going to be fascinating to watch just for this aspect. Like, yeah, it's not the same as it was back in the day because there's no Tom Brady and there's no Peyton Manning as far as the rivalry goes. But what it could mean moving forward, you can't deny. It would be quite hilarious if that's how it turns out. And for Colts fans listening, 46862, would that be some sort of vindication or does it not erase the years of frustration against the Patriots? You had your victories here and there, yes, but by and large, New England handled and, and held the advantage in that rivalry. Would that be at least some vindication of some sort that you got the last laugh or the last poke to really push Bill Belichick out of New England? And, and this story is, is, you mentioned it from the Boston Globe and Ben Volan writing this and basically saying, quote, based on my conversations, I don't think it's 100% that Belichick finishes out this se- the season. These next two games before the bye are huge. This was back before they played the Commanders. Correct. And they lost to the Commanders. He, practically the team Superboy said if Belichick loses at home to the commanders, which he did, and then to the Colts and comes home from Germany with a two and eight record, I think there's a chance the Crafts can make the move in the bye week and install Jared Mayo as the interim coach for the final seven games. And let's not forget it was Belichick who wanted to move on from Tom Brady, not Robert Kraft. Yeah, which and that, uh, that decision clearly you can bet they that Robert Kraft hasn't the, forgotten that, particularly the right guy. <laughs> particularly when Tampa wins a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Uh text coming in. Will the Colts be interested in hiring Bill Belichick if he is terminated from New England? No. There's no it, way they would. There's no way. Here here's the thing. And, and would Belichick get another job if he wanted it? Yes. But here's the thing. I firmly believe that the game has moved on from Bill Belichick. Uh yes. And Tom Brady moved on from Bill Belichick, and that was the biggest impact. That was always the question over the tenure of those two in New England, who was most responsible. That, that, that question has been answered on who was more responsible. Oh, it's a no-doubt question. And, and the other thing is, the NFL is, is one, and people having success, offensive minds. Hal Shanahan, San Francisco. Uh, shoot, Colts hired an offensive mind head coach and Shane Steichen. Um, obviously, the success Andy Reid has had in, in uh, Kansas City. So, like, offensive-minded coaches are the coaches having success in today's NFL. Yeah, I mean, uh, Nick Mariani is a offensive guy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, so, they're, they're just, they're, there are too many examples. Or Sirianni, I'm sorry. Sirianni, yes, for the Eagles, yes. Uh, former, uh, former Colts offensive coordinator. Yes, that. that's right. So, uh, again, they're just the top teams in the league or some of the top teams over the last few years. It's been offensive. Co- Mike McDaniel at Miami. It's been offensive coaches having success. And for the Colts, I think they're in a good spot. The Shane Steichen hire so far, I think, has been a good hire. I've never felt like there are moments where he was just completely outdone or completely, you know, not not aware in the moment. Whereas, like, with, with He's Bell- no Jeff Saturday. You can say no. That. And with Belichick, the problem is he's not going to change anything. No, and no, he's they not. clearly have not. Like he also again is evaluating talent for the draft. Well, they whiffed on Mac Jones, and that's been the issue the last three years. Look, if you don't have a quarterback in this league, you can't win. Period. Uh, you might be able to to win 
seven, eight, nine games. Yeah, smoke but you and can't mirrors, win but in the playoffs. Over seventeen games and into the playoffs, you're not going to be able to do it. And, and that's the issue: is they're his players, they're his hires. Eventually, he has to be held accountable, and we'll see what happens Sunday if this is a possibility. But I just think this would be the 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 greatest ending to this rivalry to completely put it to bed. The Colts getting Bill Belichick fired. CK, I would take Belichick over Eberflus in Chicago. I, I think Eberflus is going to be done, but you wouldn't be able to just hire Belichick, unfortunately, for a coach. But I wouldn't want him in Chicago. It, it, like you said, it, it's he's it's the game has passed him by, and he's too stubborn Correct. to change what he does and adapt to today's NFL. But man, what would that be for Colts fans? But then conversely, are you facing a really desperate Patriots team on Sunday because of it? Because you look at this as a winnable game for the Colts. But as we know, the Colts' inability to really string wins together is indicative of just how average they are this season. After a win last week against Carolina, you feel, okay, they can get some momentum. It would be typical Colts. And how I feel this team is this year is just it's mediocre to then come out and lose to a desperate Patriots team that, per the Boston Globe, could be playing for their Hall of Fame coaches' tenure in New England. Coming up on the other side, we'll wrap things up. Also, your final chance to win a four-pack of sweet tickets. See the Macedons and Andrews coming up at the Coliseum tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tip. Again, just text DePaul to 46862. Again, DePaul to 46862. We'll pick a winner right after the show. Coming up next, an alligator on the loose. Not in an area you'd expect. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Final time to text DePaul to 46862. Again, DePaul to 46862. We'll pick our winner at the end of the show. So you're running out of time. Uh, I want to give a a shout-out, though, to yesterday's winner. Uh, i got to pull this up, so give me a moment. But, uh, again, text DePaul to 46862. Uh, You could win a four-pack of sweet tickets. See the Macedons and Andrews. At the Coliseum coming up tomorrow night, seven o'clock, uh, the tip time in that one for the Don's home opener, taking on Andrews. So um, again, you can join plenty of other winners in the suite. So be a be a nice time at the Coliseum tomorrow night. It should. So DePaul four six eight six two. Plenty of uh, entries so far. Have a couple more minutes to get those entries in. Was a seven o'clock tip yes. off tomorrow night. Seven o'clock tip. Of course, as I I try to do this, my computer is like crawling along to load. Yep. I believe the winner, uh, I believe his name was Michael yesterday. So here we go. Hang out with Michael and finally got 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 it up here. Gaggle of others. Uh, Yes, Michael was our winner yesterday. Michael from Fort Wayne. So you can join him and several others in the suite. All right. Final story of the day. Time as a couple more entries snuck in. So an alligator was caught. At Lake Michigan Beach in Wisconsin. How in the world does that happen? Okay. It it wasn't like a a big 10-foot gator. It was just a little baby one. Once again, people obviously leaving animals by water and having no idea what they're they're doing. Yes. Um, The state generally has around one reported alligator sighting per year in Wisconsin. So it's not completely crazy, but obviously... Uh, remember, this was near Milwaukee, and um, 
animal control had to, to come and took care of the animal, but they, they found a gator at the beach. This is back on Monday. And again, hundreds of miles from its natural habitat. Now, the Milwaukee Area Domestic Animal Control Commission, say that five times fast, <laughs> it's, just, it's taken in at least four gators this year alone in the Milwaukee area. It's quite a bit. Well, people, don't get alligators for pets. No. What are you doing? Not everyone can be uh, Carson Steele, the UCLA running back. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Whose gator who's, is just at his parents' house Who's a in, responsible in gator owner. Yes. He's not dumping it off at uh, Lake Michigan or anything like that. <laughs> exactly. Come on, people. Uh, uh, I don't know what you can do, people. No, no, absolutely not. All right, coming up uh, later today on The Fan, we have the Dan Patrick Show up next. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Meet with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. And you'll have another chance to win on the Sports Rush with Brett Rump. Today, another chance to win Purdue Fort Wayne Sweet Tickets. Final chance to win, actually, Purdue Fort Wayne Sweet Tickets uh, from 4 to 6 this afternoon. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Have a great Wednesday.